When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, how's it going? This is Matt here from Silver Fortune. So in this video, in this podcast uh, today, I'll be going over two articles that both talk about the subject of debt, specifically sovereign debt. And and is the debt that the U.S. government carries, which is coming up on $22 trillion as I speak, uh, a problem or not? Now, they offer two very different opinions on whether or not that debt, whether or not these deficits matter. And that's what I want to talk about in this video today. And I think you guys will especially be interested in the second article because this first one that we're looking at right here uh, from Zero Hedge, um, it's it's something that obviously I think resonates with, with myself and a lot of my viewers. But you guys have seen this story before. Okay, this is, again, from Zero Hedge. Swimming in an ocean of debt. Gunlock, talking about Jeffrey Gunlock, sounds the alarm over a $122 trillion in unfunded liability. So Jeff Gunlock has been uh, a tad bearish as of late talking about the problem that that debt poses to our economy. And so he starts off, you know, this article starts off talking about how there's record levels of corporate debt, particularly in the lower rungs of investment grade universe, which has swollen as companies binged on debt to buy back stock during the ZERP years, zero Uh, interest rate policy years could create problems for the equity market but he goes on to say or this article goes on to say but an even bigger long-term threat to markets is emanating from the supposedly safe market for u.s treasury debt Uh, i i don't know how much i need to go over this article for 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 most of my viewers even if you aren't a viewer of mine even if you're new to this community you understand that that u.s debt is is out of control i mean you can see it in this chart right here that zero hedge presents talk about the the ever increasing deficits uh he even talks about in this article about how um where is it uh last year uh the right here fiscal year for the federal government which ended in september 30th the official reported deficit was 800 billion but the actual debt national debt increased by 1.3 trillion right so he's talking about these discrepancies he's talking about the the increasing amount of interest expense basically how much you have to pay on that debt as far as interest goes uh, on, on those bonds to, to because people expect that yield when they when they basically uh, give the, the government money. And he also talks about unfunded liabilities. I mean, these are all, you know, bread and butter topics on this channel as well as many other here in this in this uh, space. And, and, and I don't feel the need to review this too much because I want to talk about this second article here. And the reason I present this is to present uh, kind of a, a base case that most of us, I think, uh, agree with and, and kind of a contrast, compare and contrast here. The second one here is from CNN Politics, titled Debt. What debt? At $22 trillion, here's the argument, the national debt doesn't matter. I'll be putting a link of, uh, to, in the description to this article because I think it's important that you guys check this out if you're curious about this. But, but this article is, is very interesting. Um, and it's, I got to admit, a little maddening. Uh, I think this is the result, this type of thinking that the national debt doesn't matter is the result of, of what we've seen over the last 10 years where deficits have, have increased drastically. And despite people back in 2008 saying uh, the, the sky is falling, and rightfully so, I think, 
uh, I don't care if they're 10 years early in the national debt. I, I think they are going to be proved right. Um, we haven't had some major debt crisis because of the sovereign debt, the U.S. sovereign debt. We haven't. And so I think as a result of that, you're getting a lot of people deciding that it must not matter, right? These deficits can go as high as we want, uh, you know, within reason, and it doesn't matter. $22 trillion, $32 trillion, $102 trillion, it doesn't really matter what the national debt is. That's what they're talking about in this, this article here today. Um, so basically, it starts saying, so much ink has been spilled for so long in the national debt. It might be nice if that $22 trillion plus on the red side of the U.S. balance sheet just didn't really matter. That's exactly the thinking behind a new school of economic theory that the government should be spending more not less. And of course, this is a new school of economic theory. And to, to some extent, it's a, it's a little bit of Keynesianism just recycled again. But there are some new, new, I guess, ideas in this. And this is actually, surprise, surprise, something that's been endorsed by, uh, well, it says a lot of economists, uh, including Paul Krugman. Of course, Paul Krugman writes for the New York Times. And, and, and if you read some of his works, it's, it's, it's not very good. It's, it's very short-sighted. And it's, uh, well... Well, he's he's putting he's backing a plan like this, and so so I think that says a lot about what a lot of his writing uh, consists of. But uh, as this article goes on to say, this is something called the modern monetary theory. And basically, as it says here, and this is ridiculous, this is a ridiculous quote: "School of thought that allows such dreams." Modern monetary theory. Modern monetary theory suggests seriously that if a government that controls a currency just need, needs more money, it just prints more. It can't go bankrupt if it's printing its own money. Just print more, essentially. I'll let that sink in a bit. I mean, I don't know. I feel like most of my viewers for this one as well can, can see the problems with this. But okay, it goes on to say, the idea is that the deficit actually equals wealth in the private sector, and that's a good thing. What are the Treasury securing that debt, if not a promise of newly printed money? And as long as there's a market for them, they should be used by the government to improve society. Okay, I'll explain what they're talking about here. So it goes on to say, and I'm not covering all this. I mean, you guys can, can read this as well. Uh, I encourage you to do so, actually. It's, it's, it's very interesting. It gives some interesting insight into to how some of these people think. Basically, they're talking about this deficit spending and it says, in other words, the government's red ink becomes our black ink. Their deficits are our financial surpluses. And this is this is kind of like the type of thinking, I don't know, along the lines of people that say, you know what, there's a lot of debt in the world, but who do they owe all that debt to, right? They just owe it to each other, right? You, you see massive deficits over in Europe and Japan, uh, United States, massive amounts of debt in China, and and in the end, we all just owe it, owe it to to each other domestically, or internationally, right? It doesn't matter. Well, no, it does matter, right? Because because think of of through that debt, through that lending, through whatever it is. Think about the the currency that's been created, the inflation that has or will occur as a result of that, right? And oftentimes this isn't. I mean, that's that's a very deflationary. And if you say, oh, let's just cancel out all these debts, and that's very uh, deflationary, right, in theory. So, of course, that would never happen, I don't think. But um, basically, here they're talking about the government's red ink becomes our black ink, that when the government spends money, well, it goes right into the economy. Now, that's not, 
there's some truth. I mean, where does government spend money? I mean, it's, it spends money on the military. It spends money on uh, 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 entitlements, uh, things like, like Medicare, Social Security, etc. And so, you know, when they pay out money to Medicare, sure, a lot of that gets, gets sent to insurance companies. Or more often, I guess I should say, to, to the healthcare providers for, for Medicare. Um, but, but there are a lot of administration costs along the way. Okay, so you have healthcare providers and, and networks and and and, and uh, administrative costs and whatnot. Okay, so for the military, when we spend money, a lot of that goes to what building bombs, paying soldiers, etc. Okay, well, when you pay for social security, you're just giving money to to, um, and of course, social security is not. I mean, it's it's a uh, it's eventually going to to be added to the deficit. I don't think it's empty. The, the the account isn't empty yet, but that money is going to to uh, you know senior citizens and, and and disabled individuals and whatnot, and they're just going to spend that back money back into the economy. I mean, this is all fine, right? Fine, dandy. Well, okay. First of all, the problem with this later on this article, they're talking about how this is not necessarily a non-free market idea. Well, part of the problem with this is that government spending like that leads to misallocation of capital, right? I mean, look at look at. Uh, payment to to the U.S. military. I mean, is what they're doing uh, constructive? A lot of times. I mean, it's a whole idea of of the what the broken window fallacy. Uh, the the idea that a hurricane striking a region can actually improve the economy. And of course, the idea behind that is well, when when it hits there, it's going to cause so much damage that all that damage has to be repaired, and all that requires goods and services and et cetera, and that boost the economy over the short term. Kind of similar idea. I mean, is the U.S. military good use of resources with, with the size that it is now? I mean, you're spending that money on, on thousands of bases around the world. You're spending it on, 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 on weapons or, or forces to occupy areas and, and, in many cases, cause destruction and not be a constructive force, right? Is that an example of, of good spending? Or, or how about like building projects, infrastructure projects? Or even just government workers, right? We're talking about this government shutdown. Are a lot of IRS workers or a lot of other various agencies in the U.S. government a good use of resources? Like, I get it. Those people are getting paid. They're paying it back into the economy. But are they a good use of resources? That's one of the problems with, I mean, this is very much not a free market idea. But, you know, beyond that, just saying that it's their red ink, uh, our government's red ink and becomes our black ink is, is a little bit short-sighted. And they talk about in the very next paragraph here what size annual deficit would worry you and why kelton inflation is the relevant risk not the size of the annual deficit okay finally there's some mention of kind of the elephant in the room at least for for people like you and i inflation inflation is the big risk here like i get it you can borrow and borrow and borrow but why haven't other countries done that right if 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 we're talking about a a 1.3 trillion dollar deficit that that Jeff Gunlock was talking about, why not a 2.6 trillion this year? And let's spend a whole lot of money on on all sort of projects to to as they say improve society. Well, the problem with that is inflation. How much money you are adding to the system? It, it, and it's ridiculous that they don't see this over the long term spiraling out of control. I mean, the only way for this to, to end well is for this to, or not end well, but end period, 
in, in terms of this inflationary uh, aspect is, is for this debt to increase exponentially, right? This isn't going to be a, a, a straight line up. This is going to be very much a curve line that eventually looks straight at the end because it's increasing at such a rapid rate. As Jeff Goldenlock was talking about, you're going to have a higher and higher amount of interest expense. We're already shelling out more and more each year in terms of deficits. We're in a supposedly good economic time, and yet we're running massive deficits, right? Record deficits in terms of, of a non-recessionary periods, right? You're going to get inflation in the end. You're going to get a larger and larger deficit that's, that's 150, 200% of, of GDP, 250, it's going to go higher and higher. There's a reason that this has never worked before. There's a reason that increasing debt, increasing deficits led to the fall of the Roman Empire because they had to debase their currency, right? They had a silver coin, a silver currency, and yet they had to debase it. They had to, to um, cause it to be less and less pure. They collect taxes, of, of 90% silver coins or even more than that, they'd melt them down, they'd add in base metals, and when they mint the new coins, they're 80%, right? And eventually they're 70 and 60 until eventually they're worth basically nothing. Basically, none of these coins are, are actually, these newly minted coins, very small fraction of it is actually silver, right? We've seen this happen again. And I know, this is modern monetary theory, right? The rules of Rome don't apply to us, right? The rules of, of countries that have gone hyperinflation in the last hundred years don't apply to the United States. Our economy is too robust. Our, our, our currency is too strong, right? That's the theory that back in this, but, but it's, it's based entirely in faith, right? What happens when the rest of the world sees these types of deficits? What happens when we have $2 trillion, $3 trillion, $4 trillion deficits in a large recession? How is that going to be treated by the rest of the world that uses a dollar? Is that, is, does that inspire faith in the system? Faith in the currency, faith in the bonds that so many countries buy, China, Japan, etc. No, it doesn't. They're going to dump the dollar. They're going to dump bonds, and they're going to come back to the U.S. at a fast rate. And we're going to see the pain that is associated with years and years and years of deficit spending. The people back in 2008, they weren't wrong. I wouldn't even say that they were early because the deficit that was added back in 2008, 2009, 2010 during that, the recession, we're going to pay the price for that. We're going to pay for the price, pay the price of the, the deficit that we're running right now. But this, that matters. And yes, inflation is the relevant risk, and it's a huge risk. Just because we haven't officially, based on official numbers, which are bogus, just because we haven't seen inflation at 5 10% yet, or at least dating back to you know like the 70s or early 80s, doesn't mean that we won't again. Right? This is out of control, and all it takes is another crisis. All it takes is for the rest of the world to realize that the, the bonds they're holding on to right now, the bonds that they're buying at 2 3%, are, you, you, I mean, inflation is going to quickly outpace that. The dollars that they're holding, well, maybe we should find a more stable currency. Maybe we should exchange, uh, maybe we should just uh, do business in, in some more local currencies, right? Like India, buying Iranian oil with rupees, or China buying Iranian oil with yuan, or Russia and China doing trade in, in yuan or the ruble, right? The eurozone, sticking to the euro, not that that's a stable currency at all. I mean, none of these currencies are. But I mean, come on, inflation is the relevant risk, and I don't think we can just skim over that, right? 
the break and then they say you know what why why isn't this just going to be why isn't everybody just going to spend and cut taxes and everything will be fine well they say the point is the economic constraint is inflation that's a huge problem inflation is the huge problem here i mean you can't just skim over it and say well i mean there is one problem with our whole theory and that's inflation but we're going to go on we're going to operate that because in the last 20 years we haven't seen large amounts of inflation based on official numbers we won't again. And that's ridiculous. And of course, you know, they talk about is this a socialist idea or a free market idea? It's certainly not a free market idea. They say neither. Is it a socialist idea? Yeah, it is. It is. Now, don't get me wrong. This is a this is a, a an idea I think that will be uh, will be embraced by both parties, or at least the, the basic ideas behind it. In practice, both parties will, will follow this. Now, this is more of a Democrat thing than Republicans. But again, Republicans are in office right now. They've, they've, they've controlled the House and the Senate and the White House for, for much of this recent deficit spending. I mean, they're, they're, they're on this, this bandwagon as well to some extent. Um, but, you know, we do get a little bit more insight here at the end that says, you know, the national debt is nothing to fear, despite what Jeff Gunlock and some of the other experts say. What should scare Americans is allowing mis- misunderstandings and fear-mongering about the national debt to prevent us from taking bold action to deal with the urgent threat of climate change. I, I, don't, I don't get that. I don't, why would you have to throw it in there at the end? Like, throw climate change in there. It's like, no, that's, that's awkward. That's weird. You don't need to no, make this about climate change. Just, just stick to economics. Stick to, to the economy or, or spend it, whatever. But it's, 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 it's bogus. Don't buy into this. This is not, this is short-sighted. This is foolish. I, I'm sure that they were, were modern monetary theorists back during the time of the Roman Empire. Right? But no, we've seen this story before. We see how it ends. Sooner or later, you have to do one or two things. You have to default on that debt. Or it's going to go hyperinflationary over the long term. That's going to happen. Hyperinflation. I mean, it's. It might not look like it does in Venezuela, given the the strength and notoriety of the U.S. dollar. It might not be a thousand percent inflation or something. It might be, you know, ten, twenty, thirty percent. But that's damaging to the economy. It's very damaging to the economy. That is not in the best interest of the people. So, again, link in the description if you want to read up on this. And 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 it's a. Uh, the, the whole thing is is very interesting, and it's it's going to I think make your your head explode reading it. But it's worth reading. So, um, as always. Thank you guys from the bottom of my heart for watching this video, listening to this podcast, and God bless.